Supportive Families. This is Emily Penrod, and my guest today is Dr. Aaron Allred, a psychologist who specializes in educational assessments. So that'll be the, our topic today. Dr. Allred, welcome. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for having me on the show. You're with Bristol Health. That's right. So I, I work with a variety of different mental health providers here at Bristol Health. We're in Orem, Utah, and I'm the psychologist here and do psychological testing and assessments. Tell us about, you know, a lot of parents will be notified by the school district that they want to give their child an educational assessment, and a lot of parents are nervous. They're unsure. What does this mean? What can they expect? Can you talk about that more? What information does that provide? You bet. So, um, I, I mean, I'm certainly biased coming from the world of psychology, but um, my thought is whenever we can get more information, the better. So if we can use this to inform someone's education and make it all the more specific and tailored to them, then the, the child, you know, is going to benefit from that. It can be a little scary for some families to, you know, do an assessment. It's kind of this uh, weird unknown process that perhaps has some misconceptions about it, but it can be a very great thing to to just understand at a more deeper level what's going on with their child's uh, learning. So a, a typical assessment in the school might look at reading, writing, math, how quickly they can do those things. It might also include a cognitive assessment, which includes different areas related to verbal comprehension and perceptual reasoning and visual spatial reasoning, and also some important areas about how efficient uh, a child's brain is, is acting. So it looks at their short-term memory, um, and it looks at their something called psychomotor speed or their processing speed, you know, how quickly they can do tasks. So getting all this information can be really helpful because once once the testing's all done, it's scored and it's compared to thousands of others who took the tests when, when the tests were developed. And you get an idea for how significant the concerns are. So in my opinion, it only helps to inform someone's current functioning, which can then be used to help tailor their educational experience. And what is the process like? Is it, you know, some parents may worry this is going to be, my child can't sit still that long. Yeah, so the, it's done on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So I think of, you know, the two types of testing I've described so far. So achievement testing, you know, like reading, writing, math, and then cognitive testing. It's done in a one-on-one -on -one setting. And I've worked with a number of kids in schools where, uh, yeah, you see a lot of attention concerns. And some of it, you know, the impact of their attention concerns is, you know, can be somewhat uh, diminished if they're in a one-on-one -on -one setting. But yet again, you know, there are more, you know, severe forms of inattention or hyperactivity where it's still difficult to get a really good reading because it's, it's hard for the child to sit still or, or to focus. So yeah, you know, when I do an, an evaluation, we take breaks as we go. There sometimes, uh, you know, as a 
a little reward involved, you know, whether it might be a small toy or, uh, you know, a, a pencil and eraser they can choose, um, you know, at the end and to kind of help them stay motivated and in doing the evaluation. But I'm, I'm observing the child the whole time we're going. So if I, if I'm seeing something that makes me think we're not getting valid data, let's say the child falls asleep in the first, you know, five or 10 minutes, that's a big red flag. So I might wonder, is there a medication that's causing this? You know, how was their sleep last night? And there are times where we just have to, you know, postpone and, and try again in, in, in a few days or so. So yeah, it's done in a one-on-one -on -one setting and there's a variety of different tasks that the child would be uh, walked through. So they're given instructions with, with each task and some of the tasks are timed, some are not timed. It's just a variety of different activities that, that I would walk them through. I have this, the background, I was a special ed teacher for 23 years, and, and the tests, the assessments you described sound like the ones we administered through the school district, mm -hmm. and they gave us good information that helped shape the program we offered the student. Mm -hmm. But you also provide additional assessments that have value. That's right. So testing in schools is, is done for classification purposes. You know, although it can help in the diagnosis somewhere along the line, uh, it, it's not really done to clarify someone's diagnosis, but rather just to see if they qualify for services under the special education Utah rules and to see how they're being impacted, uh, you know, by a particular condition or how they're how they're functioning is in that way so it, it can be a little different than if someone seeks a, a private evaluation through uh, a psychologist in a private evaluation there's typically more time for a, a thorough clinical interview and then a variety of different supplemental tasks that can help to tease apart what's what and to really clarify the diagnosis. With all that said, there are some cases where, uh, you know, we can get a whole lot of information and uh, there may be particular reasons why uh, we can, um, you know, be unsure about the validity of what we received. Let's say in a very uh, severe case where there's severe neuropsychological issues and, uh, you know, the the validity of what we receive, it can be difficult to tease apart. And so sometimes it just comes down to you know, having an experienced clinician take a look, uh, take in together the testing results, the observations, the background history, just everything, and then making a good educated decision about what the diagnosis is. If I could give an example here. So so learning disabilities and ADHD can often go hand in hand. So there's a, there's a higher comorbidity rate with the two. So if you have ADHD, you're at a greater risk of having a learning disorder. You know, there's some underlying psychological factors that might describe both of those. And the, the converse is true. So um, if you have a learning disorder, you are more you're at a greater risk of, of ADHD. So teasing the two apart can be really crucial in an evaluation. In, this, in the school system, there may be limited time or resources to do that with every child to really tease apart what's what 
in a, a private evaluation, there's more of a clinical interview, there's more observation, there's more supplemental tests to get a good picture of, of what's going on with, with someone's mental health functioning. Well, this sounds like it would be very valuable in knowing what accommodations would benefit the child, what, what is needed to maximize their learning experience. Oh, you bet, you bet. So yeah, accommodations are informed by the testing results, uh, what's observed in the child, as well as their history. It's often the case that teacher rating scales and you know interviews with teachers comes into play as, as we do a thorough evaluation. Uh, at the end of each of my evaluations, I take a good hard look at what accommodations might be appropriate for an IEP or a 504 plan. And then I like to highlight strategies that can help, whether it's strategies at home, strategies that the teachers can use in school, readings that can help inform the, the parents of, of uh, what's going on and, and what, how, the, how the condition is, is impacting their child. That is huge. I know a lot of parents, that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for information to provide the teacher on, to make the teacher's job easier, to let them know, this is what will help my child. This is going to be effective. It will save time for the teacher, too, mm -hmm. when they know how to work with yeah. each student. Now, I know as an education advocate that parents can request this additional training uh, from their school district. Um, that's part of my job is negotiating with school districts. But even if they don't or they're not able to get the school district to agree to pay for it, they could still seek this on their own. And you've already explained the benefit of doing that. Mm -hmm. And at one time, you, when I talked to you earlier, you mentioned that in some cases they could check with their insurance company. Is that, am I remembering correctly? That's right. That's right. So, you know, schools have a responsibility to identify those children at risk and, and those uh, students in need of a individualized education program. So that often becomes the number one step is it has the, has the school done any testing with the child and has it been recent testing and how did that turn out if the if the parents might question the results or wonder if they're uh, if the school is missing something or if the testing is not as as thorough you know to help the child then they can look into um, alternative assessments so you're right insurances can sometimes uh, pay for evaluations it is important to realize, though, that exclusions can be written into insurance plans, and the insurance might say, well, if it's testing for educational purposes, um, you know, we, we're not going to cover that. So that, that can be a, a typical exclusion that's written into someone's plan. That's not always the case, though, so it, it really depends on the insurance and the particular plan. So if if a family contacts their insurance for referrals and then calls a psychologist or a, a qualified professional to do an evaluation that professional could most likely help the family navigate insurance and see if there's insurance coverage before they start the evaluation 
um, and just help them in that in that process. But yeah, there's kind of a variety of different types of evaluations. And you've had some background and experience in dealing with insurance companies. I understand you've also been able to help some families with that. Right, right. So I'm on several different panels. So I'm contracted with with different insurances in the area. And, you know, there are some cases where uh, insurance benefits, you know, can be used for an evaluation uh, where it's really for purposes of, of treatment. So to identify if treatment is needed and then to identify what type of treatment might be helpful. For example, you know, uh, after an evaluation, uh, of course, I make no medical decisions about whether the person should be on medication or type of medication that they should be on. Of course, I, you know, that's just not my expertise. I never say anything about that. But to recommend a medical consult, if I know it's a condition that could be treated with medication, you know, that, that's a common recommendation that I make or something like counseling. So if there's a, an emotional issue or emotional problem, whether it's anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, or a behavioral issue, you know, such as oppositional defiant disorder or conduct disorder, um, counseling can be a very low risk, high effectiveness method in terms of treating these things. I, I have witnessed that myself. I, mm-hmm. I've seen that in my career, that sometimes a good therapist makes a huge difference. And is that, are those services also provided through Bristol Health? Oh, you bet. Yeah, we have three different therapists here, and we have four or five different medical professionals. You know, sometimes our, our other providers here, um, you know, they may not match up exactly right with someone's insurance. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I, I take a good hard look at what the condition is, and then I often cross-reference uh, what I'm seeing in the testing results with contracted providers who would take their insurance. And so I try to play matchmaker best I can. I, it's something that, you know, nobody can do exactly perfectly. But if I know that here's some counselors with this particular specialty and they work with this age group and they're in the area and they take someone's insurance, you know, I, I can make a very strong referral in that case. Which is really beneficial to families when just having a child with special needs is extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. So any way to find out how to make treatment and care more affordable is very worthwhile. You bet. You bet. And it, it's often the case that uh, let's say if there's an emotional issue or an attention issue or a behavioral issue, it's, it's often the case that, you know, the school can do provide some resources. Let's say they have, uh, they might have a, a social worker at the school that can do counseling or, 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 or casework type of services. But often it, it may be helpful to have a, an outside provider or a counselor or a therapist um, to really specifically treat the condition. And they, they may see some improvements in their, in their schooling, in their, in their learning, and in their ability to perform in school and to do well in school. And that again, is so important. Just how a child does in school affects their, their self-image, how they feel about themselves, just being able to see, I, I can be successful, I can learn. 
So valuable. Well, this is wonderful, important information for parents. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for your time, Dr. Allred. I'm going to have the link to Bristol Health mm -hmm. on my website. And best way is just to go to that link and call the number. Yep, you'll see. They want to talk to you and schedule. Yep, yep. So I, I do free, uh, you know, 10 to 15 minute consults if someone has questions. Um, and uh, I'm happy to just help someone to navigate, you know, the weird terrain that is uh, the mental health uh, world. Um, you know, it's it's often not not known what services are out there. And if, if I talk to someone and I don't have a particular service or if I'm not a good fit for someone and need to refer out, um, I love giving, you know, good referrals that are, are close to them and hopefully within, you know, someone that takes their, their insurance. And so, yeah, they would visit our website, call our number, um, and, and uh, you know, ask about our services. Sounds great. Bristol Health. Okay, and I love all the services you offer above and beyond, and the free consult. That's important. Mm -hmm. Spread the word on that one. Thank you so much for your time. You bet, Emily. It was great to be here. Thanks for the questions, and I wish your audience all the best. All right. You have a great day. Thanks. Bye.